Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. subtle nuances between like goth and scene and i mean i kind of know the difference between like goth and emo because mm-hmm. i know like my chemical romance was all like we're not fucking emo like that's not that's not what we are like it's a different thing but like it, it like it all kind of blends together it's all like like various branches from the same tree i feel like i think okay this is, I'm sure there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people screaming at me when I say this, but um, <laughs> so here's how I always kind of thought of it as somebody okay. who was like vaguely dressed up like that slash way too lazy to go with the bit. Yeah. Um, goth kid, like tr- straight goth kids are like Sam, like they're more Victorian looking like that mm-hmm. dark sort of like looking at that scene yeah. kids are the goth kids that go to concerts. So they okay. have, like, the more fishnet attitude, the more, like, they're, like, half punk, half goth kind of attitude. Okay. And then the emo kids are the ones that wore the super tight clothes and did, like, the skunk hair stuff. And they liked a subset of, like, they also went to concerts, but they went to, like, a very specific group of musicians was where the yeah, emo yeah, kids yeah. were at. Okay, I like that. And, like, who said you had to be one thing? No one. Like, yeah, Exactly. Like, they you can't, can't just be me. one thing. People are too complicated and multifaceted to just fit into one fucking category, damn it. Yes. So there's that. Like, you can, like, um, I'm trying to think of an emo band. Like, a proper emo. Um, simple plan. Simple plan. You can, like, simple plan, and you can, like, um, I don't know, Black Flag, which is punk. I don't know. You can, like, whatever the fuck you want. You can, like, fucking Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... I'm sorry, I'm getting worked up. (laughs) (laughs) It's why I fucking... I don't like... Like, those movies where it's like, oh, really, in high school, we belong to a very specific clique of things that only have these niche interests. It's like, no! No! And then it's like, oh, I have shame because I like this thing. And it's like, no, you don't have to have shame. Like, you can like whatever the fuck you want. God. Sorry. Ugh. I... I always felt really fucking, like, adrift until very, very recently. Like, literally probably within the last five years. Because I didn't have the one thing that I was. Like, because if you ask different people, like, I might be the bird girl or the horse girl or the art girl. Like, depending on who you ask. And I used to get very stressed that I didn't have a thing that mm-hmm. I put all my time and effort into. I'm like, oh, well, mm-hmm. I, ha- I have like 10 things. Yeah. And I don't know. It's very recently where I'm like, well, I'm allowed to be multifaceted, I guess. Fuck yeah, you are. You're beautiful crystal with many faces. <laughs> and planes and angles. 
I am a fucking rock candy of a person. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that analogy. Ugh. <laughs> uh, fucking delightful. It's how we live our lives now. This is how we I'm, are. Fuck yeah. Like all of the things. Or mm-hmm. don't like some of the things. Do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Just fuck be nice people. to other people. For real. Just let yeah. other people do their own shit. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Life lessons from Animorphs Anonymous slash Apple Grant Book Club. Yes. Must see you. <laughs> These are all the lessons we have learned tonight. <laughs> Just tonight. <laughs> Help. <laughs> oh, God. I guess after all of that, should we talk about a children's book? <laughs> sure. Let's let's uh, veer sharply to a different direction. And yeah. talk about a children's book. Let's do it. Okay. Oh my god, how did you like part two of the final book? Well, let me tell you. Um, fucking Renzo and Kara are super fucking cute. Oh, was like my first so fucking takeaway. They're so cute. They're so cute. They're so cute. And then uh, let's talk about that moment with Gambler where he's like, I'm not invested in human relationships. Fuck you, gambler. You're the biggest goddamn stan of all of us. You are. Don't even even at me, gambler. What I didn't understand, what I didn't understand, and maybe I inferred this from past parts, was I thought Bix was in the know about what was going on. But in this part, she kind of acted like she just got it, which I didn't understand because I thought she knew what was going on i i too thought that she had like an inkling of what was going on yeah but like here okay i will i will give bix this defense having a crush maybe she expected but maybe she was like oh this is full-blown like love and i didn't okay yeah that's true like okay yeah actually yeah 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 because I think she knew that Renzo had a crush on Kara, but she, like, mm-hmm. I think she missed the part where they were, like, together, together. And she was like, oh. Right. And because, like, she made that comment, like, I had only ever seen my parents look at each other like that before. So, oh. like, it bypassed me. Oh, my God. Oh my God, it's so cute. <laughs> Honestly, like, two people that are in love touching foreheads is, like, the cutest, like, most intimate gesture of them all. It all started with Aragorn and Arwen. We all know. (sighs) (laughs) That's not true at all. It's just so fucking cute. It is. It is adorable. Oh, and that's how Andalites kiss, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody confirm that for me. It's been a while. Yeah, somebody Google that for me and let me know. Oh. It's just so cute. It's adorable. Oh, but like, also part of me is like, hang on. When did this happen? Why didn't I get anything else from this? Like, I want to see them fall in love with each other. Like, we kind of saw snapshots, <sighs> but like, this is another subplot that happened off screen that I would have preferred it not happened off screen. Same. Same. That's absolutely true. I would have even like accepted a moment of like, <sighs> 
in a some sort of like battle or argument and then immediately after like when you're just overcome with emotions like i would have i would have accepted like a single scene of heightened emotions like this one was good but like it wasn't all that i was looking for sure but it was still really cute it was fucking adorable and i loved it oh i like oh my god so much of this part was like just so fucking cute yeah yep yeah okay but like what the fuck is going on with maxine maxine Uh, we we face those emotions head on right and i still don't know i it's giving me nothing and we're more than halfway through the book and i'm like hang on hang on what where are we going with this I still think that Bix is ace. I mean, no, uh, like, yes. I I was talking more about, like, I was convinced, like, for a while that Maxine was going to, like, betray everybody. Because of, like, reasons. Nope, turns out he's just a fucking coward. Yeah, I don't know. I want to know what's, like, why he's such a fucking nobody. But, like, yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, Bix is like, I don't feel anything like that for this person. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I absolutely love the idea that Bix is ace. Like, I absolutely, I'm, I'm, I subscribe mm-hmm. to that for sure. Yeah. I love that. Me too. <sighs> I, like, okay, as far as, like, the whole cowardice things, thing goes... So, like, the whole scene that we're talking about is where, like, Maxon's going to go talk to, like, the other Darrens that they already met on that, like, island colony. I truly think that this was just a fucking incredible way to write that Bix is, like, an absolute, like, I don't even know how to put this. Like, Bix is, like, the best of the Darrens. Yeah. Like, I, I truly think that what applegate eventually was trying to get us to was that this was written as if oh the darrens are like this species that's amazing they have all these talents they're incredible Mm -hmm. but darrens aren't amazing because darrens as a whole are amazing it's just that bix is amazing and like i truly think that's what this is about okay yeah i like that i really like that i i love that idea like i don't know it's like it's like nature versus nurture. Like you're not you're not like naturally amazing because you're a Darren. You're amazing because you've endured all these hardships and you've overcome all these obstacles and you grew into this amazing person. Yeah. And like because you kept choosing to do the right thing. And like mm-hmm. I uh, I feel like so many times in these sorts of books especially, it's like you get your main person and like they're incredible like you go into it and you're like oh they know they're special and like that's how that's how everybody reading the book wants to feel like when you're like a middle schooler and everything's shitty and fucking awful and you're like one (laughs) of a million people you just want to feel like you're special but big started this entire journey from this place of you're nothing you're like the weakest you're the runt of your litter you're not Uh important you you're not confident yeah. And then has to find out through meeting other Darrens that, like, actually she's fucking amazing. And, like, I feel like that's a much more kind of inspiring way to write that for somebody that's, like, of the age. 
like the mm-hmm. appropriate age of like middle school that would be reading is that that might be like I I associate with Bix because I am the smallest in the week like I feel like I'm insufficient yeah. and you find out by the end of it that you're not insufficient you can you can overcome and make choices and still not always feel confident and not always feel amazing you just have to keep choosing to fight the good fight and that makes you an incredible person yeah oh I love I, I hope that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And again, just like throughout these books, they keep emphasizing the whole found family thing. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it really fucking sucks that Bix lost her entire family. Like, I cannot emphasize that enough. It fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. But like found family is so important too. If anything happens to Mibs and Pobs, I Mibs and Pobs! I can't. Uh, God, I love them. Mibs and Pobs are possibly the best. Oh, they are though. Oh my god. Mibs and Pobs. <laughs> I'm so glad that that we met all the other Wabics. I'm so glad. I was waiting for this moment. And it exceeded any expectations I had, to be honest. Yeah. And, 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 and. Okay, we can, we can talk about that when, when we get there. But yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm excited. I'm excited where this is going. Me too. Oh, and I had a, I, I will, I'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man. Okay, wonderful. should I start recapping? Yes, please. Okay. So, Bix returned to the Army of Peace and their mismatched family had all met in Kara's tent. So everybody's hanging out in Kara's tent, including like, you know, Renzo and Tobble and and Sabito, who's hanging out by the door flap because he's a bird. He's a bird. He doesn't like small spaces. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, I love it, too. I fucking... Good detail. Ah, it's so good. It's so good. (laughs) God, I love them so much. Okay. Um, So a few days after Bix had returned to this camp, Bix and Renzo and Tobble, Delgaroth had followed and brought all of these, like, insane riches. So, like, this gold cup made of solid gold and encrusted with jewels and, like, crowns and coins and gems and, like, basically this bag of loot. And Kara's like, oh shit, this is enough to sustain our entire fucking many thousands of people army for like months. And then she's like, Bix, great job. Like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Natites are loaded. The Natites are like the rich uncle that like yeah. just bankrolls you for some reason. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's insane. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I I love this part because, like, they're having a semi-casual conversation about, like, wow, like, as they're going through the bag, like, pulling out all these items. And then when Kara's like, Bix, what'd you do? Bix, like, stands up and, like, puts herself at the center of the room. Like, I don't feel, like, super confident in this, but I just feel like this is what I should be doing. Oh, I and, love like, it. Fake it till I... you make it, girl. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Power stance. Fucking. Yes. You know what's up. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah but Bix puts herself in the center of the room and then like starts 
talking through like, okay, here's what they want. They want pewter. They want these abandoned islands nobody cares about and like so on and so forth. And Kara has the exact same question that Bix had, which is like, okay, so where where's like, the, when's the other shoe going to drop basically? And um, Bix is like, okay, so here's the weird part. Let's start with the story. And this is where it picks up exactly kind of where we left off where like mm-hmm. the queen was like, okay, I have to introduce you to somebody. So basically we go back into the history of the Natites and we find out that they are, they consider themselves whales. Not that they are whales, but that they shared a common ancestry with the whales and they broke off a while back, but they can still sing whale song. And there we find out exactly how the Natites get news across the water so fast. It's because they use whale song and because the way it travels, they can have a large group of Natites find this out and then keep passing along the message until everybody knows. And because of how far that song travels underwater, it gets done a lot faster than any other way of communication. Very fucking cool. And I got so excited about that. I forgot to read my notes and I'm now lost. I I have (laughs) questions, though. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so, like, I don't know how fucking sound and sound waves and acoustics and all that bull- Although, okay, but we were in Hawaii and we heard the humpback whale songs underwater. Yes. It travels so far. Like- Whale song can travel, like, I I am not looking at anything, so this number's gonna absolutely be wrong, but it's something crazy, like, you can pick it up, like, 20 miles away or something like that. Okay, because I was about to spew some bullshit science that I didn't know about and be like, okay, there's no way that sound could travel that far. It travels so far. But then I remembered that we have first-hand experience with the sound of, like, hearing whales from, like, miles away, and now Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, fuck that. Fuck Mm -hmm. what I was about to say, I... I withdraw my objection. Yes. Like, it legit travels very, very far underwater. Oh, my God. But, like, wouldn't you as a natite, wouldn't you just be, like, constantly bombarded with stuff? Or is it kind of like the natites only communicate certain things or else it would just be, like, constant noise? Or are they just, like... Hanging out with constant noise. Because, like, you could argue that, like, our society in the real world is bombarded with mm-hmm. constant noise. Because we're always, like, listening to podcasts and, like, you know, watching That's videos. That's exactly what stuff. I was going to say. Like, okay. news pop-ups 24-7 while you're yeah. Googling something. Yeah. Oh, shit. This is so crazy. Yeah. It's wow. wild. Man, the Natites, though. Yeah. Like. Damn. they they literally went from like there's hints that they're an advanced society to oh this is the most modern society in all of this book kind of yeah like also they're fucking loaded like i think we yeah. we last podcast we were like dude the natites are so advanced they could fucking like take over this shit but like mhm again they could take over this shit like they could be like the next humans. I yeah, hope- and like the only thing stopping them is they don't have any interest in it. Yeah. They're just so powerful and they're just gonna like chill and I kind of appreciate that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Alright, they're just gonna be like 
Oh yeah, yeah. I like your your little Kickstarter for your Freedom Army. I'm gonna I'm gonna bankroll your Kickstarter. Oh like, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go in at like the middle tier yeah. on your Kickstarter <laughs> army. <laughs> my rewards are these island and some pewter. <laughs> oh my god! And no rewards are guaranteed until after it's it's, it's actually fully funded. funded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what? You're right. Building an army is just a Kickstarter project. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know why you're sorry. That was great. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. I'll, I'll keep going. Yeah. Not whale song inconclusive. We'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> um, so after that whole thing goes down, Kara kind of like, she doesn't say anything, but she's like super attentive, like squared up to Bix, like just like, okay, tell me more. Because it's very easy to understand that the gravity of this situation is that the Natites can spread the truth about the Murdano far and wide. And the Khazar, like they can get information everywhere and we know that the way that the Murdano is ruling is through keeping information from people so like this is a huge win to get them on their side uh-huh which is great um yay so bix kind of launches into the second part of this story is that if they bring the Murdano down and then bix corrects herself and says when we bring the Murdano down they want a natite at every council meeting and <gasps> that's because they want this open and honest ruler fuck yeah fuck yes like that is so reasonable it's so it's so reasonable like this was built up like oh they're gonna ask something crazy they're like yeah hey, they want to be in on the meetings yeah it's not crazy that's not crazy at all that's that's like the basis of what you could do like yeah, especially as one of the six governing species, they should absolutely already have an automatic seat at the table. Like, I Correct. don't understand. Correct. <sighs> I, so, like, based on what we know about the Natites prior to, like, this book. Mm-hmm. So, okay, but we basically established that, like, they don't take sides. They're, like, neutral. Right. But... Some of them kind of hang out in kind of the neutral spaces, like the Scholar's Island. Right. Like they had some there, but they had some, like, feel of it's another shit there. Um sure. But, like, yeah, like, the Murdano didn't really have, like, an alliance with them. and No. But, like, why, the though? The Murdano didn't even have any in the city. Because, like, I feel like the... I mean, the Scholar Island, the reason they're there is because that was the island of education where they had the tiers right. and the tower for each one of the, the governing species. Yeah. But the Murdano, like, they, they're, they like, humans first and foremost. Like, they don't have alliances with anybody. They Obviously, they're fighting, like, a lot of the Philovets now, and, like, they don't have any alliances with... Uh... Right. I mean, they... Is it the Murdano? It's the Khazar that's kind of enslaved the Terramans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they don't have any alliance with any of the Terramans either. And obviously they don't have any alliance with the Raptodons. Like, right. they have, like, a loose alliance not to attack each other. But, like, they don't have any formal, like, allies of other like, species. Yeah, like, the Murdano's kind of an idiot. Yeah, he's a big idiot. He's a big fucking idiot. Like, 
I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't, listen, I'm not a war person, but I know that alliances are really kind of important if you're going to do a war thing. So I the mean, fact, the fact that yeah. he wasn't even working on it is kind of like, what the fuck, man? Right. And I like, mean, he, he is a I dumb mean, child. He is a dumb child, but, like, his whole deal was that he had eliminated the Darrens, he was going after the Philovitz next, and then, like, so on. Like, he's literally just trying to eliminate the other species. Yeah, he's playing the slow game of just, like, trying to wipe out the other species one by one, it sounds like. Right. And then it's like, by the way, you know those super fucking powerful jaguar cats that, like, can kill 15 people without hesitation? They don't like what you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) fucking dumbass you stupid mardano you stupid child man yeah oh okay sorry idiot why are you sorry this is great i keep derailing it's not derailing we're literally talking about this fucking book (laughs) oh man yeah so anyways very very reasonable request that they just want to natite it at the meetings of the new rulers when they take over, which like they acted like it was going to be some giant ask and it's completely fucking reasonable, but all right. Right. (laughs) All right, whatever. Um, and then basically they agreed that like, Oh, if you agree that we can sit on your council, we're going to fund your entire army the whole time, we're also going to take down the entire navy. So, like, this entire faction of the Murdano army, don't even worry about them. Gone. Like, yeah. that's fucking power. Yeah. Dude. That's power. Yeah. I don't... I don't even know. Like... We went from, like charge of the light brigade to like actual force in one move yeah it's crazy like the natites are so powerful they're insanely powerful shit yeah so Kara was completely right that this was like one of the most important alliances they could have secured in this whole mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah <sighs> um anyways this first chapter ends with uh Kara saying, yeah, of course, easy decision, no problem. Bix, will you keep being my ambassador? And Bix is like, fuck yeah. And then as soon as Bix left and was like, later that night, laying down for sleep, Bix is like, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) You're doing Uh, great, Bix! Just call me. I know. I just want to cheer her on. Oh my god. Okay, so this next chapter, um, I'm going to apologize in advance. So... Just to give you some little insight into my mind, I'm sure you guys have already noticed. If things aren't narrative, I don't fucking remember them. <laughs> this next chapter is all names and maps. So, oh my gone. god. I literally took notes as I read it because I was like I I don't fucking I read it once and I was like, okay, I just have to go like sentence by sentence. I, like, I don't know how many of these are actually going to end up being important, so sure. Right, right. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, and then there's all these, like, fucking names. And you'll find later there's, like, names that they become important, so they just don't have a name until finally they're important, then I name them. Right, yeah. But in here, I wrote them all down because I was like, probably we need to know this. This whole chapter is focused on this. And it, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry in advance for this chapter. <laughs> Let's just get through it together right now. So, what happens is Bix never imagined knowing what a war council was, much less being on a war council, but here we are. Get used to it. Um, so in front of Kara stands these many great minds and warriors, and we have Bodic the Blue, who we already met. She's total badass. Love her. And General Varus, who is a fighty boy, but that's fine. He's <laughs> a fighty boy. He's a fighty boy. And then they have these other allies who had, some of them had been present before Bix left, but then there's all of these new faces. So we have Miseni Marak, who has this force of 500 archers that he brings, and like they're like, this guy's quiet but cool and then we have feldrick who is technically an outlaw because when the Murdano attacked his village and started to slaughter people he fought back and he brought this whole army too called the marsh cats who are like these axe wielding force of men and women so like dwarves basically Fuck so like yeah. we have the the elves and the dwarves now <laughs> yeah. uh and then we have woad and Woad is this heavily tattooed dude who's supposed to, like, be tattooed to look like a fill of it. And he wears this, like, crazy clothing and, like, pointed <laughs> shoes. He's a and, like, this guy, I don't even know what this guy is. Like, he is, <laughs> he is, I cannot pin this guy down, honestly. On all levels of except physical, he is a feel of it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's a-okay. Boy, howdy. <laughs> so anyways, um, then there's also this new Raptodon presence. So we get Stimble, who's an advisor to Roar and Headcrusher. And he's very cool. Uh, and then the tents rounded out by Gambler, Renzo, Sabido, Tobble, and Maxon. Maxon's just starting to recover. Can kind of get around on his own. Kind of can't. But he's there. And so this group is gathered around a table where there's all these maps laid out of all of Nadara, and they're discussing movements of the armies. And they're like, okay, the Khazar is going to use the Terramen tunnels that are going to flush shock troops out into the plains of Zabara. So basically they're going to go through the mountains and like shove an entire army through using those super fast tunnel holes. They're going to ravage and destroy the area until they run into the Parisi mountains. And so like everybody's worried about the villagers that live in between there because they're going to destroy it all. And they're like, okay, so then the Draylanders, who I don't even remember reading about before, but I'm sure we have, they can either scale these mountains or follow the southern end into Sigurioth, and then that can go through the Murdano fortifications. And General Varus is like, well, the Khazar is going to send troops over the Parisi mountains because the Murdano don't know about the tunnels, so, like, that crossing would kill all of these Drylanders from altitude sickness because when the Drylanders go up high on the mountains, they can't handle it. And then Wode speaks up and he's like, my people can go up the mountains. We can breathe super thin air. And they're all like, cool. Can you go block those paths? And he's like, yeah. Um, and then he's like, but wait, we have to get the women and children to a safe place, place first. And then Kara's like, I don't even want you to fight. You get them safe. And then you just slow down all these armies on the mountains. And Wode's like, fuck yeah, I can do that. And then Stimble's like, do you want to create an alliance? And I can be the eyes in the sky. And they're like, yeah. And then we don't find out anything else about them. They just go on their own fucking adventure fighting a war that we know nothing about, but whatever. Um, and then Gambler's like, just FYI, the Khazar is going to be super cunning. He's going to have a second wave to attack. And Varus is like, fuck yeah, that makes sense. But they can't keep throwing men at this battle forever and ever. And then something about the Natites and the Navy. So they've basically planned out an eventual Draylander victory by taking down enough Murdano troops. But that's also not what they want. 
And then Bodic is like, just so you know, those tunnels are still going to be a problem because they're going to give you access to the planes. They're going to destroy all these people. And Kara's like, the problem's not that we can't get to the tunnels, it's that we can't get there first. And there's all this contemplative silence. And then Renzo's being super cute and like, oh, I don't know if I can talk here because I'm just a simple thief. And he's like, you don't need an army, you just need a few people. And then Wode's like, we can get you there fast. And then no one's like, they can get there fast enough. And then Stimble's like, Raptodons can get there. And then Tobble's like, pay attention to me. And everybody's like, no, fuck you, Tobble. We're doing other things. <laughs> and Tobble's like, no, pay attention to me. And Bix is like, what is it, Tobble? And then Kara's like, oh, Tobble wanted to say something. And Tobble's like, what if the Raptodons could carry people over there? And then everybody laughs at him, except Kara and right. Bix. And Stimble's like, you overestimate how much we can carry. And Tobble's like, well, can't you can't carry a man, duh, but you could carry a Wobbick. I know because you fucking eat us. And uh, <laughs> and then Kara's like, what's up, Tobble? And Tobble's like, I can get you an army of Wobbicks. And Kara's like what and then Varus is like an army of wabics what use are wabics and like what uses one wabic and Tobble's like not one 500 that was that chapter it was so long was so was much so much shit oh my god and also like i read that whole chapter without having access to a map so i was just kind of like yep okay cool whatever you say and now i'm looking at the map and i didn't realize that bossip was way on the other fucking side of the world I have not once looked at the map. Let me do that now. Oh my god, like... I had access to the map the whole time. We spent most of this trilogy on the eastern side, like, just going up the coast. Like, we started in the southeast, and we just, like, went all the way up the fucking coast to, like, the islands, which were up, like, in the northeast. Bossip is way on the other fucking side, and, like, the Pelago River, way on the other fucking side of the map. Where the fuck is the map in this book? It's literally in every other book. I I had to go get my first book to get the map. Because it, really? it's, not, it's not in any other book. Are you like, sure it's not in the second book? I don't have it in the second book, but I have a, a paperback. So you might okay. have it if you have a hardcover. I have hard copies of all of them. And I feel like I have maps in the first and second book, but not the third book, which is the only book I've ever thought to even look at the map. <laughs> right? Like, we need a map in every single book? I honestly, HarperCollins. any book I've ever read, I have never looked at the map. I, I just I see a map and I think, well, I'm never gonna remember that, and then I just start reading. I just I don't, I don't know. Also, there's no key on this map, so I don't know anything. Listen, it's baby's first epic fantasy, so it's probably fine. I've read Lord of the Rings. I still don't look at the maps. I mean, <laughs> but like. That one I've seen in the movies, though, so I feel right. like it's, like, inherently in my mind. The movies are riddled with maps. Like They are riddled. There's binders full of maps. There's maps on maps on maps. Maps infinity. That's, like, when they go to, like, strip clubs in Middle Earth, they just have maps that they, like, like, on a... <laughs> I don't know why I thought that, and I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Oh shit. Okay. So okay. Then, so then after the politics episode, there was the next thing that happens, which was it was Bix and Tobble prepare to ride off on their new mission. Oh, yeah. This is the best chapter in the book. Quite. 
Um, so that's not true at all. Anyways, the raptor raptodons were flying to friendly rookeries to gather allies, and Renzo was headed out at the same time as them, but he was going on a different mission. And there's so much good teasing of Renzo and Renzo like giving it back because the whole thing is that Renzo's going out to buy horses and he's like oh I yeah can't believe you want me to buy horses like what the fuck I love it so much um but Bix and Tobler are going out on their mission and so Kara gave them a few gems to help them along and so Renzo's insisting on putting some thurgy on the pouch that's carrying those gems so that they're hidden unless Bix wants them to be seen and uh, that's when he's like kind of going off about this. And when Kara is like, yes, you're going to purchase the horses, not steal them. Renzo's like, how do you know I'm not going to take the gems and go buy myself a nice farm? And that's when Kara steps in super close to him and just says, you won't. And Bix is like, what's going on here? And then Kara puts her hand up on Renzo's cheek oh, and they are like touching foreheads. I and can't. Bix is like, Oh, so cute. shit. That's so fucking cute. And Gambler's They're like so looking away, but he's cute. grinning. And... He's grinning and like Tobble. And then Bix is like, I've only ever seen my parents. Oh. oh. And then they're all like, Bix just realized what was going on. Oh my God. Cute as fuck. I can't. I can't do it. I can't with them. <sighs> I just can't. Just. <sighs> Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, Kara and Renzo say their goodbyes, and then Kara approaches Bix and Tobble, and she's saying, like, super nice parting words to them, and she's just talking about how she believes in them, and she's worried about them, and she worries about them so much, but she still knows that they're going to be heroes, and, like, Tobble's, <laughs> like, in tears. Oh, me too. It's so good. Oh. Um, but they're cut off because there's this clattering of hooves behind them and they turn to look and they see Varus riding up on this horse that's twice the size of Havoc because he's a huge man and the horse is huge and he dismounts with this grace that is just completely unexpected from a man of his size and he brings over this like wrapped small bundle and he's like, this is a present for you, Bix. And so Bix opens it up and it's like this shield and he's trying to show like, here's how you wear it. But like his arm is so much bigger than Bix's that like he's just has to like mime it. But it's this huge shield and the top of it's like enough to cover Bix's body. And then the tapered end goes down to protect the leg. And Bix says, thank you, but I don't have any way to repay you. And he says, complete the mission that the lady has given you and I will be repaid. Oh, and it's adorable. So and then, nice. like, both Bix and Tobble try to salute him, and, like, Bix kind of does it, and Tobble pokes himself in the eye, but oh, Vara salutes back anyways. Oh, I love this so much. Me too. I'm like, look at these, like, misfits that have joined this, like, great cause. And, and yeah. they're just, it's so good and pure and wholesome, and I love it. I love it so much. And, like, I love that Varus is, like, taking this seriously. Like, yeah. this is what is missing from the Murdano. He's yeah. like, the Darrens are our allies. And they should be treated like people. Oh. And he recognizes how important her mission is. And he's, like, showing yeah. her how important she is. And that's... So right. Cool. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. So this next part is another interesting part. 
Um, so Bix and Tavel are riding out of camp and they see Maxon at the edge of the camp. And Bix is like, what's up? You waiting for somebody? And Maxon's like, yeah, I'm waiting for you. Ew. And Bix dismounts to talk to Maxon and finds out that Kara is also sending Maxon on a mission. And Bix is like, it is far too soon. You are injured and you should not go. And Maxon's just like, no, no, no. I'm just chilling on a pirate ship. It's going to be watched by the Natites. It's just like some asshole fucking pirates that like <laughs> need to get in their good graces so word like they're, we're using them yeah basically um and like they're headed back to the darren colony and bix is like why though like what's your plan same when you get question there? what's the deal yeah what the fuck and um Basically, Kara's just like, yeah, go get those Darrens because we can have truth tellers on our side. Like, it feels like a very much, like, throwaway kind of mission. Like, Kara knows that they're kind of assholes, but it's like, well, we're going to make Maxon feel important, I guess. Yeah, like, they were just there. They were just there. Yeah, I don't understand. Which is, okay, I actually got very suspicious of him at this point. Really? Okay, let me hear it. Okay, so I was like, okay, you guys were just there. Like, there's no need for this mission. It seems very pointless. Like, is he trying to, like, make a break for it to go and, like, squeal to the Mordano or some shit? Oh, shit. Right, that's where my mind, because in my mind, he's going to be a traitor still, because I don't trust this motherfucker. But, like, if the ship went off course, the Natites would sink it, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Because like this is a mission with training wheels. It feels like since the Natites are on their side now. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could very much believe that. Like Car was just being like, "All right, you're. I guess you can go do something." Can I admit something about the Natite Queen? Sure. I've read her name five hundred times, and I'm still convinced it's Queen Pavarotti, and I know that it's not Pavarotti. I'm just like, Queen Pavarotti, every time. No clue what her real name is. Uh, oh, yeah, there was, like, a weird moment where, like, like Renzo referred to her as just, like, by her name. And Kara was yes. like, you mean the queen? And he was like, oh, yeah, the queen. All right, my new bestie. I forgot. Yeah. She's queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot her name, uh, too. Pavarotti. All right, we'll call her Pavarotti. It's fine. That's what I've been doing. Okay. Anyway, Not a clue what her real name is. Anyways, anyways, oh, I was convinced that that this was some sort of like bullshit mission that was actually a trainer mission. But <gasps> I like the idea that it's also just a bullshit mission. Yeah, just like make Maxon feel important because Maxon's fucking useless. He is fucking useless. <sighs> fucking useless. Okay. Anyways, so what happened? Um. Maxon's like, it's going to be super chill. I'm just going to be eating snacks on the deck the whole time. It's fine. And Bix is like, oh, are you going there to get the Darrens to be warriors? And Maxon's like, no, no, we just want to be like truth tellers. It's no big deal. And then Bix is literally, I assume they are going to bring them on to negotiations to be like, they're lying. They're telling the truth. Sure. Okay. The easy job, basically. But yeah, so, uh, da, da, what a, oh, so Bix is literally standing there like, what is my relationship with this fucking guy? Like, it's super weird. She's like, I thought we could be close friends like me and Tobble or like maybe even a relationship like Car and Renzo. But mm-hmm. like, I just don't feel anything for you. 
at all. I fucking love this whole section. <laughs> I loved it too. I mean, I, I truly love, I truly loved that she was just like, I don't give a shit about you. And I feel weird that I don't give a shit about you, but I don't give a shit about you. Yeah. 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 I, I loved it. Me too. But yeah, straight up. Like, I don't give a shit about you. She said, she said in text that like, I don't feel that way about you. And you're not even like top of levels of good friends. Like you're just yeah. like, I appreciate that you were like the first Darren that I made a connection with since I lost my family, but that's yeah. all we're going to be. And I fucking love that. Yeah. I really appreciated that as well. Ugh. Yep. Yep. <sighs> and then like, well, Bix is standing there just contemplating how, like, little she feels for Maxon. Maxon has this outburst that's like, I am scared. I'm not brave like you. I don't know how you handle it. How do you do it? And Bix says, as you know, one of the lines that will always, always, always get me, where Bix is like, I think being brave means that being afraid and still doing what you must do. And Maxon's like, I don't feel bitter about that. And, like, so they part ways. And Bix finds herself kind of worried about Max as she leaves. Like, she has this lump in her throat, like, oh, God, worried about that guy. But um, it doesn't last long. Because then, as they approach this forest, Bix's mind wanders back to this crazy conversation that she had with Bodic back at camp. And, like, basically, Bodic pulled him aside and was like, hey, this forest isn't on a map because it's fucking haunted by an evil wizard. <laughs> it's haunted as shit. And yeah, it's hot as shit. And Bix is like, oh, should I be worried about that? Ha ha ha. And Bodic was like, no, legitimately, back when Thurgy was like a hugely powerful thing, not like the bullshit we use it for today to do like ha ha magic tricks. Back when it was like legit, this forest was imbued with dark magic and it's probably fine now. Like literally Bodic goes, <laughs> it's probably fine. It's probably fine now. Yeah, and Bix know. is like, well, I don't feel like it's fine now. And Bodic's like, I'm I'm just warning you, it's probably fine now, though. Oh my but, God. like, as they approach the forest, it's definitely not fine. Like, okay, so here's what here's what, what happens in the forest. Like, we, we gotta talk about this shit. Oh my God, it's so, so wild. It's so wild. I actually kind of forgot about this part when we started recapping this. Oh, man. It's so wild. So... Bix and Tom will ride into this dense forest. It's very much filled with evil. Like, even Havoc is like, I, I don't want to walk through here. His head's down. He's taking tiny steps. Like, Havoc's like, fuck no. Bix and Tom are like, fuck no, but we got to. And they can navigate it, like, navigate through it during the day because they can see where their sun is. But at night, the canopy is so thick that they can't see the stars. So they have to stop. And so when it gets dark enough that they can't see Havoc's nose anymore, they're like, okay... Let's chill. And Tobble's like, I will be alert all night. And Bix is like, okay, great. And then Tobble immediately falls asleep. Like, <laughs> immediately. Like, Bix is not asleep yet. And Tobble's asleep. It's great. Um, and because Tobble's snoring, Bix is like, all right, whatever. I'll go to sleep too. And then the next day, Bix wakes up with a start as Tobble is standing over her with wide eyes. And Tobble kind of looks in a direction and Bix follows the line of sight to this large pile of bones. And Bix is like, what am I seeing? And at first she's like, is this is a human skeleton 
like looking up at something and she kind of like tries to look at what the skeleton's looking at. She's like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. And they start hearing whispers around them and they start to completely freak out. And then they realize that it's not like whispers like on the wind around them. It's a fucking head sitting on a stump. Oh my God. And it's whispering this creepy chant about Gazicko, the fucking dark wizard. Oh my God. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. So they find this head that's legitimately fused into the rings of a tree on a stump. And it's like this hairless thing and its skin is like super red with these raised orange welts. And it has this grotesque smile because its mouth is like the shape of a V, like a harsh V. And it looks super weird. Has like these weird eye slits like a serpent and these three twisting horns protruding from the top of the skull. And Bix and Tobler are looking at this thing while it's just like sitting in this tree stump chanting about how Gazicko would kill them and gouge your eyes out and bleach your bones and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so Bix takes like, it's, it is, that's what happens. So Bix takes this step closer and like the thing's eyes like jerk over to Bix and then it starts chanting, a Darren and a Wobbit come to see what Gazicko has done to me. And Bix freezes and Tobble's like, oh my god, it sees us, it sees us, and starts freaking the fuck out. So Bix is like rooted to the spot staring at this creature. And as much as Bix was like, I need to turn and run, Bix could not make her body do it. So she tries to speak and it comes out as this like squeak. So she clears her throat and says like, what is your name, sir or madam or whatever? And this creature who is cursed to speak in rhyme. So every answer is rhyming. Is basically like, they call me Stump. That's my name is Stump. That sucks. It does suck. Oh, there was one detail that I forgot as I was reading it to you. And that is the nasal slits down their face that they breathe in and out of. Oh. And the species is called the Catalytes. Catalytes. Pancatalyte. If only there was another species, the something alights with weird breathing slits down the front of their face that we knew. Huh? You know, like an andalite, maybe? Oh! <laughs> I was like, the pebbleites? <laughs> no. No, no, no. no. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, no! Oh, no. Anyway, I don't think they're related. I just... I went on a journey. You did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, so we find out that Stumpy's fate, I don't know why I'm now going with Stumpy. I never did that before, but here we are. Stumpy's fate is to sit on this stump and rhyme for all of eternity in front of a pile of the last of its species corpses. Yeah, they're basically like, so why, though? Why are you forced to rhyme forever on the stump while the rest of your species is all dead behind you and this thing answers tis ever easier to hate than to learn or love or to create and bix apologizes and says like we just gotta go so they ride away and they're in this dark mood that's like worse than any other time previously and bix doesn't even realize that she's saying this out loud when she goes how will we survive against such evil and tobble loses it tobble's like by not letting them win and then apologizes profusely for being so harsh. And Bix says, how many amazing species, fantastic creatures, and great wisdom has been lost because those who are in power want to destroy. 
And Tobel said, well, those that are in power that want to do that just want to make a sadder, emptier world so that they will fit in. And Bix is like, I've never heard such a dark sentiment from Tobel before. Like, Tobel is not good right now. <clears throat> and then Tobel repeats Stump's words, "'Tis ever easier to hate than to learn or love or to create." Oh. And Bix adds, "It's easier still to do nothing to stop the horror and the evil." And Tobel says, "We aren't doing nothing, though, are we?" And Bix says, "We are definitely not doing nothing." I got a little teary-eyed at this chapter, honestly. Yeah? Because, like, you know, they, they encounter Stump, and Stump is absolutely, like, horrifying. And then, like, yeah. as as they go through, it's like, oh, Stump is just an endling, just like Bix. Like, and yep. Stump is, like, bound to this horrible fate for eternity because someone made that so for, like, no fucking real reason and it fucking right. sucks and it's just it's so shitty yeah it is super shitty and like it's actually really cool that by the end of that encounter where like we're all like oh great like stump is like a horrible eldritch being of like some dark curse or whatever yeah by the end of it it's like actually i really relate to stump <laughs> yeah I hope they, I hope at the end they go back and, like, help Stump somehow. What would they do? I don't know! I don't know, but, like, I don't know. I just, I don't feel good about them just leaving forever. I, I just, yeah. I hope they come back, like, after the war is over. I wonder, like, how much conscious Stump has. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, that was joyous, but... It gets a little bit better from here, I think. It gets so much better from here. So Bix and Tobble ride out of this cursed forest, and the sun shines down on them, and they feel like this great weight was lifted off of them, and even Havoc starts like trot on the way out of this forest, and then all at once the hunger hits all of them. And so Havoc spots some green grass and starts to get faster and faster. And Bix was just so happy to be out of the woods. She's like, you gallop on over that grass. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, and they just kind of enjoy the the whole being alive thing. And, uh, you know, Bix and Tobble hop off of Havoc. They all have some snacks. And then they get back onto their journey. But um, as they're going, they start to approach Nightfall and... They are getting close to where Tobble's forest is, but, like, not super close. Like, they're going to have to ride into the to the early evening. And Bix is like, can we just stop? I'm saddle sore. I'm tired. I want to break. I'm blah, blah, blah. And Tobble's like, no. Keep going. We are so close. And as the dark started to fall, Bix did notice that in the forest ahead there was all these lights in the trees. And so they are getting closer and getting closer. And Bix is like, oh, these lights are moving. And Tobble's like, yeah, those are Raglers. And Bix is like, what the fuck is a Raggler? And Tobble, like, just can't explain it, which is wild. Tobble's like, ah, you know, they're, they're, they're Ragglers. What do you need to know? Like, they're, <laughs> they glow. That's why we call them Ragglers. And Bix is like, that means nothing to me. <laughs> um. Yeah, so anyways, the, the lights are the creatures themselves. And as they get closer, they start hearing this, like, music. And it takes a while, but Bix is like, what? 
what is making that noise? And Toddle's like, oh, those are the regulars. They don't talk with, like, words. They talk with feelings. And I don't know how to explain it. Oh, you know what, Bix? Cover your ears. So Bix covers her ears, and, like, all the other sounds of the forest gets muted, but the regular song is still, like, completely the same level it was before. So, like, it turns out they're, like, as Tobble says, they speak directly to your head and heart. But they're like a semi-psychic species. Thought speak! Thought speak. We have thought speak. Confirmed. <laughs> so, yeah. Crazy. Um, and then out loud, uh, Bix says to Tobble, like, Oh, I wish we could see one up close. And Tobble's like, we'll turn around. And so Bix does. And there's this regular that's on Havoc's haunches. And Tobble's like, I'm Tobble. And this is Bix, the Darn. And Bix, like, for whatever reason, has decided a handshake is the way to go. And so she reaches out and Tobble's like, no, and, like, pushes her hand away. And then Tobble's like, no, wranglers, er, wranglers are poisonous to anyone but Wabix, except for their bottoms of their feet. You can't touch them. Their glowing spines are super dangerous. Like, don't, don't touch them at all. That's why they don't fear anybody, because if you touch them, you die. Whee! I, it's wild. But what was really cool, actually, is as they were doing this, they also explained that, like, the regulars help the Wabix, like, weave nets and things like that. So it really sounded like a kind of a sea urchin relationship mm-hmm. thing, which is pretty cool. Symbiotic. Yeah, symbiotic sea urchins. They sound very cool. Um, but whatever. So as they keep approaching, they realize that they're getting to this big tree where, like, there's a huge gathering of these regulars, and that's what's called a heart tree, which, again, another Andalite thing. Um, <laughs> and that's where they lived. And Bix was like, can I stay the night, or can we stay the night? And the regulars all responded in this music that wasn't words, but the message was still clear. Yes, you are welcome. Please stay. Yay! I know, it's beautiful. What a nice thing after the horror that was that other forest. (laughs) The horror show that we just lived through. (laughs) Yes. So Bix then asks out loud if they can build a fire. And this is where we get like this really cool kind of insight into how like they communicate. Because we we already found out there's no Raggler's ruler. Like there's not one queen Raggler. It's not a hive mind. They each govern themselves. So when Bix asks if they could build a fire, there's all of these different snatches of like musical notes that are like all kind of off from each other. And then they harmonize into one song that becomes the answer, which was like, yes, you can build a fire, but you have to be careful. So all those different snatches of songs were the arguments of like, no, you could burn down the forest. No, you can't do this because of mm-hmm. this. Yes, they can do it. No problem. Like, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as they said yes, these regulars descend from the trees with tiny shovels and rocks and kindling and, like, build this fucking fire for them. And then as soon as they have, like, the fire going, the one thing they can't do is light it. So Bix lights it and then says, oh, we're going to need bigger logs and can't even get that whole sentence out before these regulars are dragging these perfect sized logs to them. And then once they have the fire going, they're like, we want to prepare food. And the regulars have already brought them, like, water to prepare with. And, like, Bix is like, man, these guys are just, like, the perfect hosts. And they are. They're amazing. Bix and Tobble have their dinner. They go off to sleep. And they have dreams all night of, like, their friends and, like, all the war and the stuff that's going on. But they sleep safely and soundly being, like, in this place. And the following morning, Bix wakes up to all of these ragglers above them. 
and they're not glowing now that the sun is out. They're still gold and violet hued, but they're not like glowing like they were the night before. And Tobble wakes up and they start listening to this song. And it's basically the regular saying, we want to help you fight. And Bix is like, why? Like, you did not know about this last night. You did not care. It's not something you can comprehend. And Tobble's like, oh, they listened to our dreams. And Bix is like, they fucking what now? <laughs> <laughs> but once she gets over that, um, the the Ragglers kind of float all of these ideas through their heads of what they can do to help out and so on and so forth. And so they are gifted with something very precious, and that is hope. <laughs> In case you didn't think this was a K.A. Applegate book. Aww. <laughs> Aww. So cute. That's nice. <laughs> So the next day they strike out and they travel and it begins to snow lightly. They find an abandoned hut for the night where they're able to avoid the bulk of the snow and Tobble and Bix sleep huddled together to stay warm and because it's adorable. And then the next morning they take off again and as they open the doors to like begin their journey, Bix is covered up to her waist in snow and Tobble's head is covered and Havoc's able to get through it okay, but, like, if it gets worse, they won't be able to keep going. And sure enough, as they continue on, they see another storm brewing. So they try to stop and create, like, a tent out of blankets and blah, blah, blah. But it's just, like, not working. Like, you can tell that if it snows any higher and Havoc can't get through it, they're going to be stranded here. Mm -hmm. And so they're worried. But... They spot some fishing boats out on the water that they're traveling past. And then an idea strikes Bix. Start a fire. And so Tobble produces some kindling. They get it started. They're trying to make smoke, but it's not working. So they, like, find some wet grass. They produce more smoke. And after an excruciating wait, they realize that it has worked. And the boat takes an hour to reach them, but it worked. When this boat docks... There are Wobbix captaining it, but not any Wobbix. It's two of Tobble's older brothers named Horgle and Piddlecomb. Mm. Great fucking names. The very first thing they notice and care about is that Tobble's tail is braided. And they're like, what? And like the one that's older like points at his own unbraided tails and is like, what? 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 Who gave you permission to do this? Who said you could braid your tails? <laughs> and Tobble's like, the lady of Nadara herself. And Bix is like, yeah, exactly what he just said. And like, the brothers don't want to believe him, but with like Tobble being like, fuck yeah. Also, FYI, Tobble is a fierce warrior. FYI, friend and ally of the lady of Nadara. Also, FYI, we're here on the ladies' business, so if you could just move it along. And basically, like, Tobble's <laughs> brothers are, like, so stunned. Like, what? He what? <laughs> um, and Tobble could not be more proud. He's, like, standing up super tall. He's very, very proud of himself. And, like, oh, it's just so good. I love him. It's just so beautiful. <sighs> He's a good boy. He is so good. Um, and after all the creds are dropped, his brothers are slightly taken aback. And they're like, well, we thought you were a goner. And Tobble's like, not yet. Close, but not yet. And then he goes, and take me to Bossip post haste. And then because he's a Wobbick, he adds, if it's not too much trouble. Oh, he's so <laughs> polite. He's so polite. So that night, 
they all just sleep together because they're not going to be traveling by boat any further that night. Um, but they set out the following morning. Havoc gets onto the longboat without too much trouble because he's a very, very good boy. And they spend like an uneventful ride looking out over the beautiful wild country that we find out is there because the Wragglers protect it. Like they actually set up like things that are hard to pass in the roads. Like they, they don't allow people into it. So the Wragglers are pretty fucking good. Yeah, they are. As they come up to the Wabak village, it looks like something out of the child's dream. There's these cone huts surrounding the trees of all different heights. So if it's like a big tree, the hut might be like six times Bix's size. And they're painted all sorts of colors. And there's these purple and gold and turquoise and ocean blue and pink. And it's this amazing, colorful, beautiful sight. I love it. And then on the... it's I write... I want to draw it so bad. It's so cute. It's so cute. Um, And then on the dock, there's this crowd that's awaiting their arrival. And Bix is like, there's a crowd awaiting our arrival. (laughs) And Tobble's like, yeah. (laughs) It would be rude if they didn't. Yeah, Tobble's basically like, of course they're waiting for us. What do you think we are, heathens? Come on, Bix. Um, As they make landfall, it's this like just amazing mix of all of these Wabics. But the most important part is that Tobble runs into his parents' arms. His parents, Rose Girdle and Ollie Wink, but they insist on being called Mibs and Pobs. Mibs and Pobs are here. Mibs and Pobs. And they just like fawn over Tobble. They're like, my baby, my precious baby, you're back. I thought something had happened to you. And... They're like, look at your tail, it's braided, and like they're they're hugging Tobble and like it's so great. And then like when you're like, oh, Bix must be so sad. No, they come over and hug Bix too and, and they're like introducing themselves and like then they're like, No, you call us Mibs and Pobs. Aww. We're your parents too now. We're adopting you now. We're adopting you. So Ugh. fucking cute, I love them love them so much like and like for for wabix i was like okay if there's like 500 children in a family like you'd think the parents would like lose track of who was who and so i was afraid that that tobble would get back to his parents and they'd be like oh who are you again oh like where have you been whatever and they like wouldn't really care but they're so loving and they and i don't know i liked it they even, like, take the time to say, like, oh, yeah, we used to call him Tobble the Terrible because this is what he was like as a pup. Like, they oh. they have, like, individual, like, memories and stories yeah. and, like, oh. Which I don't know how that's possible when you have 500 children, but okay, I still like it. Not a clue, but I love it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I love this so much. Uh... And then this this whole greeting scene is cut off when Tobble, like, draws himself up and gets very formal. And he's like, we have business to attend to. Bix, let me take you to the Bilaraka. And Bix is like, what the fuck is that? And Tobble's like, oh, like a council, kind of, like our version of a council. And Bix is like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. (laughs) Um, So Bix tries to lead... Or Tobble tries to lead Bix down the steps, but they're like too narrow for the for Darren feet. And so Tobble's like, oh, this is cool. I can call down this vine. 
And basically, like, these cones are built around the center of a tree. And the center of that tree, there's, like, a staircase into it that they can go down. But it's open on the sides. So Bix was like, actually, Topple, let's do something more fun. <laughs> and so Bix, like, spreads her glissaires and jumps off and just glides down to the bottom. Because, like, all the warmth from the bottom of the, the earth, basically, and all the wabix down there is rising towards the top. And so she can just super easily, like, glide down. And when she gets to the bottom, she lands on all fours and realizes, like, oh, I'm on some kind of a stage. And all of the council was staring at her, and she was like, that was very unprofessional, oh, actually. No. It's fine. And Tom is like, that was unexpected. No, it's fine. Right, it's super fine. Like, nobody cares. Who's, who's gonna know, Bix? Who's gonna know <laughs> that that's unprofessional? <laughs> uh, things are getting intense. Let's talk about it. So Bix stood before the Bilaraka and Wabix just start pouring in from all over, like with children on their shoulders and like just coming in to check out what's going on. And Bix is super nervous. But Tobble holds up this paw and silence fell. And Tobble's like, this is Ambassador Bix the Darn. And that is just met with all of these cries of like, no, Darns are extinct. This can't be like, prove it. What the hell? And, like, Bix says the Wabics are all super polite, but they are still, like, harassing her. (laughs) They're politely harassing me. Yeah, so it's still intimidating. And so what happens is, like, certain Wabics come up and begin introducing themselves by just incorrect names. And Bix is like, nope, that's not your name. And so they all laugh. And then one's like, I milked my four things and got six gallons of milk or whatever. And Bix is like, both of those things are are untrue. But like, Bix starts to worry because they're reacting like this is a party trick and not like a serious thing that they're trying to do there. Luckily, Elder Diggle puts a stop to the (laughs) nonsense. Elder Diggle, he's a friend. He is, that's a wild name. Just a wild name. (laughs) So um, he's like, okay, I'm taking charge of this. So he's like, I am going to say five statements and you will tell me which are true and which are false. (laughs) And so he starts with one. He's like, I'm 209 years old. And Bix is like, incorrect. And then two, he's like, I have 329 grandchildren. And Bix is like, congratulations. That is both true and impressive. (laughs) You reproduced good. You reproduce very well. You're very virile. (laughs) (laughs) Word for word, that's what she says. That's what she says. Um, Three, he's like, I prefer mead to wine. And then everybody starts laughing and Bix is like, well, okay, that's a throwaway. I know that that's false because everybody's laughing. Um, Four, I hauled in a fish three times my own size. And Bix is like, yeah, that's true. And that's very impressive. And then he's like, Yes, we made jerky of it, enough to feed people for three months. But Like, he basically goes on for a while and then is like, right, that's not what we're doing here today. And so he's like, number five, 20 years ago, I made a horrible mistake and I flipped my fishing boat over and capsized it. And I am responsible for the death of six of my family members. Oh, my God. This escalated so quickly. It escalated so quickly. And Bix is like, I can confirm that you believe that's true. 
And then Bix is like, I too have a problem where I think I was responsible for the death of my family members. And like, I get it. I get what you're feeling. And then she kind of like goes a little deeper into this and she goes, and like, I just want you to know that you feel like you're responsible, but all of the Wabix around you have nothing but respect and admiration and love for you. And they do not hold you responsible for this tragedy that occurred. So while you spoke the truth as you believed it, you did not speak the truth. Which is like in an insanely powerful moment, yeah. I felt like. Yeah, for sure. It was just, it was amazing. And so then the Elder Diggle leans into Bix and says like, okay, but do you still carry the guilt no matter what anybody else says? And Bix said, yeah, I do. And Elder Diggle's like, this Tobble, this is this is good company you travel with. And Tobble's like, I know. <laughs> um, and that display is enough to convince Elder Diggle that that Bix is a Darren. And so he dismisses the other Wabix and he's like, all right, you've had your fun. And they go into the council chambers for privacy. Wait. Yeah. Um. So Bix and Tobble are sent uh, after they, they have this whole thing, the, the chamber for privacy, blah, blah, blah. They talk for a long time. They have several meals. They're sent <laughs> off to bed after this. And they are sent to this wonderful room that is set aside for distinguished guests. And Bix is exhausted and like the bed is super comfy and there's a roaring fire. They're finally not cold anymore. Um, if they look up, they can see out the top of like these these cones so they can see the stars. And even though Bix is exhausted, she can't get to sleep for a pretty long time. So when finally she nods off, it's distressing when very soon after they are woken up by these cries of Wabix arise, we are under attack. And Bix and Tobble look up and they see Raptodons. And so they're like, we just have to get to the surface as soon as possible. They're trying to run up the stairs that are too small for Bix. But they get there and they see these archers that are ready to shoot and they tell them to hold. And the the Wabig does not ask questions. He just gives a hand signal. The arrows come down. And that's when they see that this is one of the guards of Roared Headcrusher that they recognize from earlier when they had met Roared Headcrusher's whole mm-hmm. posse of birds. Um, so this guard lands and is like, oh, Bix, I'm pleased to see you alive. And Bix is like, I'm pretty pumped to be alive. <laughs> Which is a great line. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Raptodons did not bring good news. Woad's men had gone up to block the mountain pass only to find that some of the Khazar's force had gone through and they had already broken broken in there. So um, they're like, are the Wabix on board with the plan? And Bix has to kind of do this like, oh, actually, we talked for a really long time last night and there's no conclusion yet. Um, but as Bix was saying that Elder Diggle was coming forward and so they repeated the news that the Khazar had gotten through and that they were kind of on a time crunch now and um, then they're like so are the Wabix going to help and Elder Diggle's like well what are you going to give us in return and Rurid's guard is kind of like oh you need something in return and Elder Diggle was like not at all phased by this giant fucking raptodon. He was basically like, "We're sending our people to war and potentially to death. Yeah, we're gonna fucking get some shit in return." Mm-hmm. And 
like the guard did like after that he's like okay yeah like you're kind of right yeah you should (laughs) and so they're like what do you want though and elder diggle's like we want wabix to be seen as one of the governing species you cannot keep treating us as second class species here that's not fair and they're all like whoa whoa whoa! we can't promise you that like that's not within our power to say that that's gonna happen and uh elder diggle looks at bix and says will you take up our argument with the lady of nadara and plead our case for us with your whole heart will you put like an actual argument into this and bix is like i would love to do this thing like 1000 percent, i will do this thing fuck like yeah. this is something i would have done no matter what kind of a thing yeah fuck yeah and that's when elder diggle turns around he looks at the council there are no words exchanged but clearly they are all in agreement and the wabix are joining the fight yay yeah just as i predicted Yes, you did. You straight up predicted this. There was so much of this book that you straight up predicted the whole time. I'm like, Casey said that. Casey said that. No, No, it was great. It was good. It's all good. They should be a governing species. They're awesome. They should be. Mm hmm. They're just so goddamn polite and also terrifying. They're so polite. I love them. Uh, I love them so I can't much. wait to see, like, thousands of them in battle, just, like, <sighs> ripping people's faces off. It's gonna yes. be a fucking bloodbath. Yes. Holy shit. Yes, it is. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember in Return of the King, there's, like, a shot where, like, someone's in the foreground, and in the background, this Olipot's just getting, like, swarmed by those ghosts. Yes. Yeah, it's gonna yep. be, like, but with Wabix. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh my, oh my god. god. This whole thing is gonna be like fucking Bix shows up and and it just looks like her and Tobble, but then all these Wabix are gonna come like streaming in behind them and just like lay waste to the battlefield. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. It. This <laughs> They are the army of the dead, they, is what we're saying. They are the army of the dead! <laughs> oh my god Ah shit yeah oh yeah that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man alright well final chapter of this part so the Wabix take their sweet fucking time is what happens like they, <laughs> they spend a lot of time choosing who's gonna go They spend a lot of time packing. They spend a lot of time preparing. And Bix is just like, I'm I'm dying. Get it together. (laughs) Like, get it the fuck together. Like, Bix is dying. (laughs) Um, But finally, they kind of get a move out. And uh, the guard of Roritz had said that he would be back by a certain day as long as he points out these insane scenarios like as long as Rorid's power isn't usurped or like we turn tails and like become part of the enemy's army like <laughs> wild scenarios oh, for him to say yeah it was like all right well we think probably you could have not mentioned those but sure <laughs> so he's like we'll be back 
So the night before the Raptodons are supposed to get back, the Wobbicks are all camped out on the edge of the forest and they're like singing songs and telling stories and like Bix is like inundated with so many like Wobbick traditions and tales and blah, blah, blah. She feels like she could write a whole book. Um, so Bix kind of goes off by herself, gets her bedroll, is like hanging out. And many hours later, Tobble shows back up. And he's just like, oh, I've been helping the elders with the plan, blah, blah, blah. And Bix just starts teasing him like, well, they'd be idiots to listen to you, JK. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It was a, it was a weird flex. I thought it was weird when it happened. I didn't. She's stressed out. Yeah. Yeah. Her humor is manifesting in weird ways. It, it came out in a super weird way. Yeah whatever it's fine yeah. we all got over it <laughs> um they go to bed and the next morning bix wakes up as the sun is rising and immediately looks up there's no raptodons there's like an hour that passes and like still no raptodons but it's early so they're like okay we'll wait some more a few more hours approach or go past and the elder Digg- diggles like what the fuck like what's happening did he get scared is this bullshit and bix is like no 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 rurid's not the type that would get scared or like change their mind like that but then a few more hours passed and elder diggle approaches bix and is just basically like listen we've all wasted our time here clearly this isn't happening i can't do this anymore but as he's saying that tobble grabs bix's arm and points And they can see in the far distance this kind of dark cloud that's moving across the sky. And as it gets closer, they can see it's a ton of raptodons. Like a ton. And leading them is not the guard, like what Bix expected, but Rorid Headcrusher himself, who is gigantic. Yeah, I was so excited. Big boy. A big boy. And he descends and lands, and when he's there, his presence was so great that Elder Diggle bowed to him, even though, like, they, there was no call to do that. <laughs> there's no need. There's and none. <laughs> there's, there's no need. There's none. And Rord's basically like, all right, you guys ready to rage? And they're like, <laughs> uh, I guess. And he's like, great, we're flying straight into battle, and we're going to arrive after nightfall, so I hope you guys have buckled the fuck up. <laughs> And, like, they're all like, well, we didn't. But Bix points out once again that it's not that they were not scared. They were scared and they were going to do it anyways. And that is the end of this part. Oh, so Rachel. <sighs> so Rachel. Oh, I love it so much. That's quite good. It's so good. And, I, like, we only have one more part and we're done with Endly. Oh, my. I don't know how because there, again, so many unanswered questions that I still <laughs> have. Like, we have not yes. met the Kazar yet. Like, what? Nope. we don't know anything about Gambler yet. Like. There's a whole fucking war about to be fought. There's a fucking war. I don't understand how we only have one part left. And it's shorter than the other two parts combined. So, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, the longest part. I mean, it's the longest part, but it's shorter than the first two parts. Yeah. Holy shit. How are you going to wrap up all this shit in that, in, like, 
It's like a hundred pages, Catherine. I mean, I know she's going to do it. Like, I've seen her pull this <sighs> trick off so many times. But, like, how are you going to do it? Yeah. Well, especially with, like, Animorphs, where, like, the final battle was, like, only half the book. And then the other half of the book was just kind of, like, aftermath <sighs> shit. So... It, was, it was, like, a quarter of the book. Yeah. But, like, so much of the book was just aftermath. So, like, how much of this is going to be aftermath? Is it going to feel, yeah, is it going to feel complete? Oh my God. It, I, the next part cannot possibly open up with, so we won the battle. Here's what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like we have to have at least like one final battle thing. Minimum. But like, are we going to get spinoffs after this or like? We better. I hope so. This is such a huge world. I need more. Come on, Catherine. Yeah. Please, please, <laughs> please give me more Ellen, please. I feel incomplete. I'll do all my chores and all <laughs> my homework. <laughs> we'll talk about it on the podcast. Like, listen, Catherine, if you don't think I've done the homework, do you know how much work goes into this podcast? <laughs> do you know how many notes we write? Uh. Oh my God, if I compiled a goddamn sheaf of all of my notes at this point like it would be terrifying oh no i could probably crush a small child (laughs) (laughs) oh man so yeah i just what what is even gonna happen i don't know like i truly don't like i want to believe because okay i will admit i did peek at the illustration I mean... And the next illustration... Yeah. It is the Raptodons carrying Wobbix into battle. So, like, we have to see that, at least. Yeah. We have to see the fall of the Murdano and the Kazar. Like, there's no way we can't see that, right? That would be insanity. Oh, what if Gambler fights the Kazar? <gasps> oh. What if Gambler becomes... The Kazar. <laughs> Kazar. What if Gambler becomes what he fears most? Oh no, the Kazar. The Kaz- but like a good Kazar. But a good Kazar. Yeah. He is the Jedi. Is this gonna make sense? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of pissed though that we haven't gotten any Gambler backstory. I like. I'm kind of Alex pissed. prediction. I don't think we're gonna get much more. I'm, I'm pissed though. I want it. I know. I know. I just don't think we're going to get what we want. There was that time he walked past the other field event and the other field event was like, oh my god, not that guy. And it just it, it left me wanting. He's Not that guy. Not that card counter. Blah, blah, blah. Not that card counter slash thirgy magician that's from jail. That bad boy stole all my money bad, at the card table. Bad, bad magic boy. <laughs> He doesn't even use his magic because he's such a badass. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to use his magic. He's literally like, I have so much magic. Do I use it? No. Why would I? Right. Look at me. Gambler's so like, ugh. He's so mysterious and badass. Why don't we get more? Maybe we'll get a Gambler spinoff. If we don't, I'll be upset. I'll be cross all day. Sate is the best Miss Nova. (laughs) Anyways. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how how she's. I mean, I know she's gonna do it. I know. I have. There's no part of my body that does not believe that Catherine will pull this off. Yeah. It'll be fun. But how is she gonna do it? How do the thing? If Mibs and Pobs are in this battle, they're fine. They're they fine. have to be fine. Well, because Mibs is a council member, so she's probably not going. Right. She's probably she's probably good. And Pobs is Pobs is old. He has to take care of the young ones. Pobs doesn't seem that old. Well, maybe he's like stay at home dad. He's got to take care of the youngins. Oh my god, he I thought he couldn't get any better, but imagine stay at home dad Pobs. Yeah. That's making fucking his wife's off making all the money or whatever and he's just like i've made the perfect biscuit yeah oh i love that he's got a little apron and that's why tobble's so good at making the biscuits too oh he and pobs used to make biscuits together in the kitchen that's cute i love it oh i love it too um but i bet tobble's brothers will go fight Oh, for sure. The, one, the ones we we met. Not... He has like two hundred brothers. Like, for, oh, you mean specifically uh, Piddle, whatever, Hagelsmith and, and Poblano. <laughs> 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 I don't remember their names, but yeah, you know. Uh, hang on, I will tell you in just a moment what their names are. Higgins, Higgins, and Pomodoro. Uh. There's so many names. Piddlecomb and Horgle. <laughs> so not anywhere close to what I was saying. They were both very close to what you were saying. They're fucking nonsense names. <laughs> Horgle. Who would have guessed Horgle? Horgle. I don't. Who names these poor children? <laughs> but Tobble's a cute name. Tobble's adorable. That's why I'm wondering how they miss so bad with like. One of them's piddle. That literally means pee. <laughs> <It does. laughs> tubble, baby, tubble, baby, tubble, baby, tubble, 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 baby, tubble, baby, tubble, baby, tubble, 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 and to, would... like, some hit song. Yeah, some hit modern day fucking... That has nothing to do with the fucking film. Yeah, fucking Dua Lipa, some shit. Oh my god. Second, freaking Olivia Rodrigo, or... Mm-hmm. What, who else is popular right now? Fucking... Are you just fucking coming after my goddamn Dungeons & Dragons Beams playlist right now? What I'm just trying to think of popular people. Billie Eilish... Fucking Eilish, Lil Nas uh, X, um, BTS, yeah. um, yeah, Common. Is Common doing things now? I, I not that I've seen. I just saw him on a TV awesome. show. Um, who else? I don't know, but yeah, fucking yeah, s- yeah. So then, yeah, that seems accurate. Yeah, so they'll have a dance number at the end, and Bix will go look at the stars. And feel good about everything. For sure. And there will definitely be a line in the song about, like, learning to fly because the glissairs. Oh, yeah. Something like... Learning to glide. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Like that Foo Fighters song, Learning to Glide. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Cara and Renzo will be all cute and shit. 
Um, yes. And then... Definitely, like, pan around the entire kingdom, like, the castle of the kingdom yeah. to, like, get to each vignette of the characters. Oh, and there will be a little text thing that appears over each one that was like, Tobble graduated from school and went on to be a doctor. <laughs> and then at the end, it'll be a group shot and they'll jump up and there'll be a freeze frame. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> This veered wildly from like two like modern day to like mid two thousands to nineties. Like, <laughs> I just I just, I don't know. I lost it somewhere. I I think you just went on a time journey. Is what happened. We were like, let's make Back an ending time. sequence, and you're like, let's make an ending sequence that also stretches through time and space. <laughs> you took the you took the exercise from three D to four D. I guess. I don't know what I've done. I'm so sorry. Um, do we have any last thoughts about this part of the book? I don't. I'm just so excited to get to the next part. Holy shit, it's the end. It's the it's the end, but like I've I've got to know. Yes. <laughs> Fucking Stump will be resurrected or put out of his misery into death. And um the Murdano will be Murdanoed, murdered, and mm-hmm. and Kazar will get put in kitty jail, which is just a giant fucking kitty crate that you put cats with in to take ball. to the vet. The ball? Yeah, like with a with a kitten toy and like. Oh, nap. oh, he's got like he's got like cat amenities. Yeah. Oh, cat jail. Oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, it'll be like Magneto's prison, where he has <laughs> he has like his his magazines and his little chest set. So it's like Aww. you can't escape, but you're at least going to be like treated decently. Too much iron in your blood. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm just I'm just babbling. What else? What else we got? I nada. All right. Well, join us next time for the final iteration. <sighs> And in the meantime, come look at us on other places. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you want to talk to me about Endling or, like, I don't know, basically anything, you can send me an email at anonymousanwars at gmail.com or applegrantbookclub at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at applegrantcast or at anamorsanon, and I will respond, um pretty quickly on Animorphs and Non. I don't know about Apple Grant Cast, but I don't know. You can also find us on Instagram at Apple Grant Cast. <laughs> I think. I kinda I kinda Animorphs feel Anonymous. like I kinda feel like we should just direct all traffic to like Apple or um to Animorphs and Non. Because <laughs> it's too hard to keep track of many socials. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm doing my best. You're doing great. I'm not, but I'm doing my best. Um and then also we're on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or Super Secret Super Awesome Subgroup, the Andalite Bandalites. Or we do have, of course, the Applegram Book Club podcast page, which is bumping. It's not bumping, but it is existing. <laughs> so we've got that going on for us. We also have a Discord server where you can talk to us and other Animorphs fans immediately. And forever. And forever. And post pictures of pets and things um if you want the link to that you can hit us up on any of our socials we'll get you the link and oh you can also check out 
us on YouTube. We share a channel with the Canvas Crisis Boys um, at Strong Shape International, and you can catch older episodes of Animus Anonymous over there. Yeah. Going up every Wednesday. What if I've been to YouTube and I've seen the light? There are pictures now that I can see with my eyes, oh, yeah. and I want to extrapolate that data and make it more. <laughs> Scan image with eyeballs, find related images. Uh, <laughs> well, your your brain scan search Google will direct you to a comic that I make and draw. It is called Beside You, um, and you can go read that for free at bsideyoucomic.com. It is also on Tapas and Webtoons. Or if you would like to support me making the comic, uh, I would go to patreon.com slash kcdstudios and go check that out. You can get early access pages and work in progress pages and occasionally other things that I put up there. Um, and uh, yeah, at least go read it for free. It's I work very hard on it and I love it with my whole heart and body and soul. Yeah, and it's legitimately an amazing story and beautifully drawn, so... It's true. And I'm going to go ahead and recommend that you become a patron. I mean, normally I'll give you a specific example of why you should become a patron, but I'm just going to kind of like just continue to say it's an amazing work and you should really just support Casey because she puts so much effort and heart into it and it's very apparent with the quality of it and Aww. she deserves Aww. your support. Uh, 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 uh. But I don't want to support Casey. I want to support Alex and her endeavors. All of the other fucking podcasts that she does. Tell me about all of them now. Boy, howdy. Do I have some podcasts for you. Um, If you'd like to support me, let's go ahead and start with, I'd like to support you, but I don't want to leave the Animorphs universe. Congratulations. I have an answer (laughs) for you. It's called Dungeons and Dragon Beams, which is a D&D podcast that I am a part of where we are playing a homebrew AU universe of fifth editions, Dungeons and Dragons, and we are playtesting this new system. And those are all words that I learned to tell you what we're doing. (laughs) What I do is play a character named Savannah. She is not the most warm person but i love her the most so (laughs) um if you want to come listen to that i truly believe it is a very fun podcast that we're doing and worthwhile to listen to i i really really enjoy it so it's great um if i can take you one step sideways out of your comfort zone Uh to a podcast where you are not listening to an animorphs podcast anymore but the hosts are all of a great Animorphs tradition of podcasts. (laughs) Let me tell you about Horse Girls. We don't talk about Animorphs. Sometimes it comes up, but we don't really talk about it. Instead, we talk about the Heartland series, which is another YA series for girls that love horses. And what we are doing (laughs) is turning our wonderful friend Tim into a horse girl, because I think it's going to happen any day now. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely off the rails. It's, I, if I don't, I've never come out of an episode where I haven't ended up crying under my desk. And this (laughs) week I laughed so hard that I cried so much that my entire face like crusted over with salt water by the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. Legitimately, I cried so hard because I was laughing so fucking hard and I could not stop. Oh it's, my God. 
It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's also during quiz time, extremely stressful. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And um, finally, it's time to push you out of the nest. If you want to listen to a podcast that has nothing to do with Animorphs and no host but me knows anything about Animorphs, I suggest you listen to From Cadmus to Crisis. It's a Superboy podcast. Uh, and that's just where we talk about Superboy. I am an accidental third host on that because those fools fed me like a stray cat and now they <laughs> cannot get rid of me. Oh my god. And it is great. We just recorded one earlier tonight and it was uh, very funny actually. So Perfect. if you want to hear me singing in another venue at completely inappropriate times, Cabin's to Crisis. That's all I want. And I think those are all the podcasts I do, but... <gasps> If you want a super secret spoiler here, I may have been a voice on Sporadic Phantoms, <gasps> so maybe you want to check that out, too. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Sporadic Phantoms, which is another Animorphs one. So at the end, I comforted you again by putting <laughs> Animorphs back. It was like a sandwich of Animorphs podcast. It was a sandwich. Aw. <laughs> Wonderbar. And I think that's everything I do. So I think our last order of business is to thank Jess for, for making our theme song. I love our theme song. I love it so much. I love it so much. And you can find her at It's Reese. It's Reese Music. Go ahead. Find her and be like, make more theme songs for podcasters. Give to me into my ears and my she'll hands. Love that. Yeah, I think she, I think she'll love that. I think she'll particularly love it at this time, right before she's about to birth a human. <gasps> if we just really harass her about making music for us, yeah, do work right now. Yeah, exactly. In addition to all the physical shit you're doing right now, anybody can have a baby. Nobody can make music. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love that we direct people to her just to harass her. That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm a great friend. She'll she'll love it. <laughs> she'll thank you forever. She'll... All right, if you're sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see y'all in a couple weeks. We'll finish up Endling, and that's so bonkers to think about. That's insane. That's fucking insane. I can't believe we're about to finish it. It's like this whole this whole podcast is going to be like when when you foster a kitten or a puppy. And you like no, and you like only have it for a little amount of time, and you love it so much, and then you have to let it go, and it sucks. But then you get another one, and it's great again. That's what this That's is. Horrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> At what point do we become like failed fosters, and we just keep talking about? I guess that's Animorphs, actually. <laughs> yes, Animorphs is the one that we tried <laughs> to foster, and then we're like, nope, we're keeping this one. Yeah, forever. Sorry, we're we're keeping this one forever. You can't make us get rid of it. Oh, shit. Right. All right. Well, on that note, I guess we will fly out of here as if on the wings of a raptodon. Carrying a Wobbick friend. Carry- we are the little Wobbicks struggling <laughs> in the arms of a raptodon. In the arms of the raptodon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>